0: Good morning. Our scripture readings this morning are taken from James and Matthew, starting with James chapter 5, verses 1 to 6. Warning to rich oppressors. Now listen, you rich people. Weep and wail because of the misery that is coming on you. Your wealth has rotted, and moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you, and eat your flesh like fire." You have hoarded wealth in the last days. Look, the wages you failed to pay the workers who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You have lived on earth in luxury and self indulgence. You have fattened yourselves in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the innocent one who was not opposing you. And then moving to Matthew. Chapter six, verses 19 to 24. Do not store up for yourselves treasure on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moths and vermins do not destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body
1: Good morning, everyone. It's great to be with you again this morning. I was watching a a show a few years ago called uh, Narcos on Netflix, and I learned about this man named Pablo Escobar. He was the infamous drug cartel boss who made so much money that he didn't have enough places to put his cash. Obviously, as his money was made illegally, he couldn't put it in the bank, So And he couldn't keep buying more stuff because then he would just uh, raise more and more suspicion. So he started finding different ways of hiding his money. He put some money under his floors. He put money in his walls. He put money wherever he could hide them. He even put money under his mom's couch. He has so much money that he started burying his money in fields. And he would hide his money in so many places that he would need to uh, hire a person who had to create a map of where he buried his money so he could find it later. And in the series, there's a scene where you see Pablo Escobar running from uh, the authorities and looking for some of his money that he buried. And he he goes to this one field where he buried his money, and uh, when he digs up the money, uh, he couldn't use the money because it had rotted away. He supposedly lost about 10 percent of his cash yearly, which was around 2.1 billion dollars, meaning he made what over 20 billion dollars a year. I couldn't believe the amount of money he had that he literally had to bury his money. One of the things that I was re- reflecting on while watching this show was how destructive his life was, but also how someone can have so much money, so much money, more money than he would ever need and still want more. That show actually got me thinking of what Jesus said about money. He said in Matthew 6:19, "Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy." and where thieves break in and steal. Jesus says, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy. It wasn't until watching this TV show that I realized that money could actually rot. I never knew that. That's why our Canadian money is so highly praised because it is so strong. You could wash is it. it's, it's, it's sturdy, is almost rip-proof. So I checked online to see if uh, our money was rot-proof. And no, there's no such thing as rot-proof money. But the reason why I thought of Jesus' teaching was the truth in Pablo Escobar's uh, storing of his treasures on earth. His treasures on earth rotted and so did himself. Who he was as a human being is not someone we should celebrate But it's a tragedy of a life that was lived in violence, greed, anger, power, and a lot of money. What he stored up on earth caught up with him and eventually led to his death. So you might be thinking, that's why you don't invest your money in cash. You need to put your investment in something that does not corrode or rot or tarnish, something imperishable. What would such a thing be? Well, gold and silver. This is what our currency used to be based on, and it's, it's still the thing that investors turn to when, when there is uh, economic uncertainty. But listen to what James says here about gold and silver. He says, your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you And eat your flesh like fire. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. What is James saying here? He is saying that these people have hoarded so much wealth that the things that should not corrode or or rot—that is, gold and silver—have corroded. Actually, pure gold doesn't corrode or tarnish, but but silver does over time. But the point that James is making here is that the rich have hoarded so much wealth that even the things that should not corrode have corroded. That corrosion will testify against the kind of greed and hoarding that is going on. I recently heard that Canada is running out of $50 bills. And so I'm like, what? Why, Why are we running out of $50 bills? And what I found out is that because of this economic uncertainty, people are pulling out their cash. And because people are pulling out all their as much cash as they can, Canada is running out of $50 bills. My thought was, I guess people have enough cash on hand to pull out like that. But James gives the rich people a warning here against their wealth. It's not because James is against people having money or rich people, but it's because of the way in which people have gained their wealth. Look, Look, the wages you failed to pay the workers who mold your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. James is speaking out against an unjust form of financial wealth. They were getting rich off the backs of hard workers who were not being paid enough. And their cries of injustice have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. In 1968, the sanitation workers in Memphis, Tennessee went on a strike. They were striking because many of the workers did not make enough money on their full-time wages so that they had to go and get another part-time job in order to feed their families. They have had enough, so they went on a strike. Martin Luther King Jr., hearing about the strike, came to support their strike and said this to the people. He said, you are reminding the nation that it is a crime for people to live in this rich nation and receive starvation wages, working on a full-time basis and a full-time job, getting part-time income. This is the same strike in which Martin Luther King Jr. would be assassinated. Most people think that Martin Martin Luther King Jr. was just about civil rights, But the truth was that he did not think civil rights was enough. He believed that not only do we need to have equality of race, but that there needed to be equality in education and in the economic system. He believed in economic justice. Did you know that we are now at an all-time high in terms of income disparity? In the last 30 to 40 years, the disparity in income from the richest to the poorest have grown where the richest 3% of the world own more than half the world's population. So in 2019, according to Oxfam, the world's billionaires, there's only 2,153 people who are uh, billionaires, had more wealth than 4.6 billion people. 2,153 people have more money than 4.6 billion people. I did the math, even though I'm not good at math, so it took me a little while to figure out this, this uh, percentage. But 4.6 billion people is 58% of the world's population. 2,153 people are 2.7% of the world's population, meaning 2.7% of the world's population have more wealth than 58% of the world's population. What do you think? Do you think this is equitable? Do you think this is just? If you were to create a world or an economic system, say you lived on an island and decided, okay, we need to figure out how we're going to buy stuff or how we're going to trade and and live, would we create a system where the two... the 2.7% of the world's population has more than the 58%. Well, yes, if you're part of the 2.7%, right? Like, have you ever been to a potluck where, you know, some people take more than they share? It's so annoying, isn't it? When you're in line and, and you're getting, you wanted to go and try that jerk chicken that someone made, and you just want to try a little taste to see how good it is and you get to that dish, and it's all gone. And some would argue, well, you snooze, you lose. If you wanted that, you should have lined up early. But the whole point of potluck is is to bring what you have so that you can share with others. It's not so that one person can take a lot more than the other, but it's for everyone to have uh, a little taste. And I was trying to figure out, how would this look like in a pie chart? but found a video that explains a lot, a lot better, and so I wanted to share this with you. And this is uh, American, so you take it with a, a, a what do you call it? Grain of, salt. Grain of salt. But at the same time, I think it shows us how it's a good representation of the disparity in our world. And this is from CBS News. We
2: have five plates. All This represents everybody in America. Okay. So you've got your wealthiest 20% all the way down to your poorest 20%. And that is the American pie. The pie itself represents about $98 trillion of household wealth in America. Hey we asked people to everything. dole it out there's as there's accurately as possible.
0: I guess start off with two slices.
2: On the wealthiest, Here? okay. Yeah. How many pieces of the of the pie would you put on the middle class? Put 4. 4. All right. That's the middle class. Let's do half a piece to the poorest. Like right in the middle there? Yep. Okay. Perfect. So we're gonna have to move some of the wealthiest to the lower class? How much? Two pieces. To the lower middle? Okay. Lower middle class. Okay. So can I show you what yes. reality looks like? Not like this, obviously. Unfortunately not. No one was even close. So it's actually nine pieces of, of pie. Wow. Yeah. Ninety percent of the wealth is right here in the top. That's terrible. Now the upper middle class and the middle class They share one piece. So these guys, they've got about 80% of a piece. They get 20% of a piece. And then the lower middle class, they've got 0.3% of a piece. Yeah, they have some crumbs there. There you go, that's what they get. And the poorest, they have no pie. In fact, they have less than than no pie. They have, they actually have a bill for pie. They're in (laughs) pie debt, they owe pie. People in the poorest 20% are on average more than $6,000 in debt.
1: Now listen, you rich people, weep and wail because of the misery that is coming to you, on you. Your wealth has rotted and moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. Those rich people, It's not fair or just. Not only do they have more wealth than they need, they also pay the least amount of tax proportionately than the rest of us. The figure is about four cents per every dollar they earn. Just so that we don't point fingers just at the super wealthy, We need to understand that most of us here today, whether watching this on your computers, our our smartphones, tablets, or or our our big screen TVs, is that we are part of the elite. Just by being in Canada, we are part of the top 10 countries in the world in terms of wealth distribution. We're number nine. In fact, if you own over $100,000 in assets... Thus, you sell everything, and you have more than $100,000 in assets. You are part of a group in this world that owns 82.8% of global wealth. Yeah. So when I was reading up on this income inequality, some of the reasons that were given to why income inequality is not good were things like it's not good for the economy, it slows economy, economic growth, and it causes social tension. I think they're putting that pretty lightly. Uh, I was like, "What? Those are the reasons why it's not good for the super wealthy to be more rich and, and, and for this kind of inequality." What about the fact that inequality is just not just? How about the fact that people who should be more? How how, how about the fact that people should be more important than stuff? How about the dignity of a person? What about the fact that we're to see each other as brother or sister? What about love? What about mercy? What about justice? What about the fact that everyone should be able to try that piece of pie that's given for all of us to share? I think Jesus gets to the heart of the issue about where we store up our treasures no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. The heart of the question is, who do you serve? Do you put your faith in, what do you put your faith in? Is it in God or is it in money? Is it in your ability to buy what you want or the amount of money you can, you can put away for retirement? Or is it in God? We cannot serve both God and money. We try though, don't we? We live as though we can serve both God and money. When I was reading through this passage about how gold and silver corrodes, I thought about the story about the people of Israel and manna. You know the story. God sends heavenly food from the sky for the Israelites and and provides for them. And they are to gather just enough food for that day, but not too much. Don't store any away. And do you remember what happens in the story? Just like we would, they take more than they need for the day and store up manna, maybe just in case. Maybe just in case they wouldn't come again, or maybe because... You know, if we store some up, we can maybe trade it for something that I need uh, later on. And we know what happens in the story. When they do store manna uh, against what God told them to do, it started to grow maggots and it tarnished. It had corroded and rotted. And I think this is a great illustration of the world God has created. Could it be that God has in our nature, nature, created things in a way where we cannot hoard for ourselves so that it will cause us to share and to give away? Like have you ever wondered what would happen if our money had an ex- expiration date? What if we couldn't keep banking our money or store it up for ourselves? What if there was a negative interest to keep money? What if it costed us more money, to store our wealth. There was a man named Silvio Giselle who believed that money should expire and called it the natural economic order. Just as things in nature expire, he believed that money should also expire. I'm not going to go into his economics, and some people thought he was crazy, obviously, because who would want that? (laughs) Um, But if you're interested in it, just, just Google him. But I think we are like the Israelites and have taken the wealth and resources of this world that has been given for all people and have taken more than our share. We continue to hoard for ourselves the riches of this world, and that hoarding is rotting away. In our economics, money does not rot. If we invest it wisely, we we can make more money. It encourages us to keep more of it for ourselves because it makes us more money. So why would we ever want to give it away? But So does money actually rot? And I think in some sense it does. Money does have an expiration date because we can't take it with us. Money cannot save us because not only does money rot literally and physically, but the love of money will also rot us. Whether it's our money, an extra piece of pie, or that extra scoop of jerk chicken at a potluck, we are called to share and to give it away. You might be saying, sure, but, but it's good to save, right? We should be saving some money. And I was thinking through the question of what, what is the difference between saving and hoarding? Saving to me is like preserving food for the winter months where you can't gather more food. And the Israelites were allowed to take twice as much food uh, the day before Sabbath so that they wouldn't have to work for Sabbath. So saving is more about need than want. We save because we need to eat in winter months. But the difference I think of hoarding is when we have enough but continue to accumulate and accumulate And in our economy, unless you're a millionaire, none of us feel as though we are hoarding because we seem to all live paycheck by paycheck. But is this because we're really in need or because we're saving or is it really because we're trying to keep up to a certain lifestyle? Are we trying to live in such luxury and self-indulgence that is causing us to live paycheck to paycheck? So in this season of our heightened tensions around racial inequality, James, Martin Luther King Jr., and Jesus would want us to look at this racial inequality, and to add to the conversation the economic injustice that our world not only lives in but continues to perpetuate. How do we not store up for ourselves treasures on earth and hoard to the po- hoard to the point where our gold and silver rot? And instead, store up treasures in heaven. I'm no economist, nor a politician, nor am I a socialist. But I do offer up some questions that this passage and our faith raises for us. And the first question is the question, where is our treasure? Is our treasure in God or is it in money? Is it in God or is it in our way of life? Is it in God or is it in our stuff? This doesn't mean we can't have stuff or money, but it's about what we do with our stuff and money. That shows us where our treasure is. The second question we need to ask ourselves is, how are we contributing to the economic injustice or other injustices in our society Just because we do not pay unfair wages does not mean that we are not guilty of perpetuating an unjust system. How do we vote? How do we spend our money? Do we support businesses like Amazon who pay poor wages to its workers and pay little to no tax for the convenience of our one-day free shipping? I myself am guilty and use them regularly for their one-day shipping because I love getting stuff right away. Who doesn't? But does my convenience or desire for more of the pie justify the injustice and the cries of the poor? The third question we need to ask ourselves is, how much of our pie are we willing to give up? In that CBS uh, video clip I showed you, I, one thing I didn't show you was the newscaster asks, how would you then redistribute? the pie. And most people, guess what they did? They took pie from the, the super wealthy and started redistributing that around, you know, give some to the poor, middle class, and you know, so that it's a little more even. What they didn't do, I think, is, is that they didn't take pie from their own plate and, and move that around. The question is, for the sake of equality and for justice, are we also willing to give up some of our own pie? For the sake of justice, and I would say storing up treasures in heaven, how much of the pie are we willing to share? How much of our pie are we willing to share? The fourth question, or, or I think more adequately, our, our last response is, to weep and wail, to acknowledge that we ourselves have loved our way of life and money more than God, that we have loved our way of life and our comforts on the backs of those who receive unfair wages and inhumane working conditions. It is to repent that though we know what's right, it is so much easier to keep living because we ourselves have more bills to pay. It is to ask God to wake us up from our slumber, our unwillingness to change. It is, a, it is to ask God to help us from our own selfish ways. It is to ask God for his wisdom and strength in how we can become people of generosity, of justice, and of love. It is to give room for God to work in our whole lives, including our pension plans and, and retirement plans and to ask God how we can serve him and not money. Let's pray. God, we're sorry. We're sorry because we know what's right. We know we should share. We know we have enough. Yet we want more. And sometimes we get so caught up in our own life and our own bills and, and all the things that we need. We forget that our treasure is supposed to be in you. So Father, forgive us for our self-indulgence and, and luxuries. And um, we ask you to break through to break in somehow into our hearts, that we would be people of justice, people of, of love and, and compassion. Help us to let go. Help us to hunger for things that, that you would hunger for. And we just ask, God, that you would come to our aid. Because we need your help to do this, but I thank you, God. Still, in the midst of in the midst of this system, this world that we live in, that you are loving God, you are a, a generous and just God, and, and the cries of the poor are heard by you. So we pray for 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 those that are poor that are in places of unjust uh, work conditions and and unfair wages that you would give them hope to know that you are hearing their cries and I pray that you teach us what it means to be be of poor in heart and poor in spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.